I love playing the game of disc golf. What I hate is waking up the next day, feeling that soreness in my muscles, in my body, my arms, my shoulders, my legs. And what I typically do is I wake up, I hammer down a few ibuprofen or Tylenol, and I go ahead and move on with my day. What I didn't realize was how bad that was for my body as well. Throwing a disc is very strenuous on your body, whether you realize it or not. What it does is it causes micro tears in muscles, which then become inflamed, and that's where any post-workout or post-round soreness comes from. That's why you need to check out our friends at Wonderkind. Wonderkind with a U. All natural CBD products. They're located right here in the United States, and they're always shipping for free. All of their products are 100% legal in all 50 states, lab tested to make sure that you're getting the highest quality CBD product to help you recover from your round out on the course. The CBD products all have an anti-inflammatory property, which is amazing for muscle recovery and pain reduction after a round. Guys, check out Wonderkind. Again, that's W-U-N-D-E-R-K-I-N-D. You can follow them on Instagram at Wonderkind Extracts, and you can visit their website at wonderkindextracts.com and select from any of their amazing CBD products and use code RUNIT15 at checkout to save 15% off. Again, that's RUNIT15 at wonderkindextracts.com. Tired of putting down those ibuprofen and those Tylenol, eating up your stomach and attacking your liver? Well, give an all-natural CBD product a shot and see how much better you feel after your round. Again, that's wonderkindextracts.com, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Hi, this is Ken Climo, and you're running it with Nate Sexton. Running it with Nate Sexton is brought to you in part by Innova Champion Discs, the choice of champions. Hello, disc golf fans, and welcome back to another episode of Running It with Nate Sexton. I am your co-host, Jared Orr. He is coming off his personal best third place finish at the Disc Golf World Championships and our host, Mr. Nate Sexton. Nate, congratulations, man. How are you? Oh, thank you. I'm great, man. I'm glad to be back in the in the booth recording. And yeah, obviously, Worlds was... Uh, a huge success. I was in it to win it there for a bit, and that was really exciting. It uh, felt great to be in the hunt at a big one again. And yeah, you said it, man. It's the closest I've ever come to hoisting that trophy, and it's got me hungry for more. I think you reminded, because I think we know a lot of the fans that are absorbing disc golf right now are newer to the game. They came in during the pandemic. They found it as something to do. And I think they all found out that the funny commentator guy can throw some plastic too, man. Yeah, I sure hope they did. If they didn't, then they probably weren't paying very close attention because I was definitely throwing them out there. Um, game plan was working. Putter was pretty hot. Uh, you know, that's just how it is when you're playing well. And uh, it was, it was pretty easy for me out there. And, uh, you know, that was just great to be up there in the high elevation and get used to the discs and be able to come out hot right out of the gates and have a share of the lead. And then I just kind of stayed on either the lead or the chase card. And I was kind of, you know, in the top five the entire week. So it, it was a great experience and um, definitely has me excited for the USDGC. 
Well, I I got the thing that popped up that I had to pick my I had to pick my six, my grip six, and I guess I didn't really know what they meant. I just picked a bunch of guys that I thought would be really cool to hang out. So I had you and Germ, Double G, Kale, Ricky, um, and I and AJ. That's who I thought these are the six that I want to hang out with. And in my post, I said, but of course, you know, Nate Sexton's going to win the world championship this year. And I had a bunch of smart ass comments listed above. And then as the days went on, those comments were slowly filling back up of people saying, oh man, hey, this was a really great pick. So you made me look good is what I'm trying to tell you, Nate. You made me cool on social media. And well, uh, and I mean, I that's it. as a, as a co-host, that's kind of my job. I got to, right. I, I got to, I, I got to try to make you look good when I can. All right, guys. Now, before we get into some world championship talk, we got to talk about one of the champions of here running it with Nate Sexton. And that's our friends over at Fisher Disc Golf. They've been a huge help to keep in running it with Nate Sexton coming out each week and allowing us to bring it to you guys free of charge. Their support has just been tremendous. Uh, if you guys haven't had an opportunity to hop over to FisherDiscGolf.com, make sure you do it. Uh, Levi and Adam are adding so much new stuff every time I hop on the website. They've got some awesome Fisher Disc Golf dry fits right now. Uh, they've got some of this limited edition plastic for the Ledgestone. They're one of the official sponsors of that. Uh, they've just been amazing guys. And realistically, if you're a fan of the sport, you're going to need new discs. You're going to need uh, all the things that you need to get out there and play around. And Fisher Disc Golf has all of it. And one of the best ways to support this show is to support our sponsors. Now, Nate, when our listeners are on FisherDiscGolf.com and they're checking out some cool plastic or maybe a new hoodie and they see something that they want, how can they save themselves a little bit of money? Nice and easy with our code RUNIT10. You can save 10% off your first order and shipping is always free. And uh, and that free shipping and that 10%, that goes a long way. So check out FisherDiscGolf.com. And you know what else goes a long way, Nate? Is any disc that Garrett Gerthy is throwing? In fact, he just he just took home the uh, the championship in that little contest over this week, didn't he? Oh yeah, and it wasn't the first time. Yeah, he he won the world distance contest. I think he threw six eighty something, uh, some incredible distance that I'll never throw. But yeah, he he definitely was letting him loose. Not only does he throw a disc a long way, but he makes an awesome beef jerky. Guys, I'm not just saying that because Double G's a friend of Nate's and they're a sponsor of this show. I love the beef jerky. If you've had an opportunity to play around with me out here in Buffalo, and I know some of our listeners have, you've seen that I keep it in my bag. Double G Craft Jerky is the real deal, guys. And you've heard us talk about all the cool stuff that they're doing with the Double G Children's Foundation. Make sure you check them out. Make sure you get some jerky. You've heard Nate talk about it time and time again. Nate was jerky rich the last time that we talked to him, but I'm guessing you probably went through some of that at Worlds, right? Yeah, I was eating it at Worlds, and I was also making putts. So, I mean, I don't know if you want to connect those lines, but uh, it was working for me. It was in my bag during the Worlds. Right. We're not saying that Nate finished third because he was chomping on Double G Craft Jerky, but who knows? Guys, get out there. Try Double G Craft Jerky. Again, uh, they've been a huge sponsor here for us and a, and a big support, and they're doing some amazing things for uh, kids in disc golf. And Double G is just an awesome guy. Um, listen, give it a shot. Try one bag, and after you do, you'll thank me, and you'll go back, and you'll buy all the rest of the flavors. And uh, we're going to actually have Double G come on uh, soon. I know the schedule's been crazy after Worlds, but he's got some exciting announcements coming from Double G Craft Jerky. So uh, look forward to that and thank them for everything that they've done for the show. 
So everybody wanted to talk about worlds and it was makes sense that that's what we were going to do. So speaking of you making co-hosts looking good, who are we hanging out with today, Nate? We got the big man back, a friend of the show. You know, we got our, our, our main guest that we like to bring back whenever we need to talk about something spicy. And obviously we want to talk about the worlds too. We haven't had much chance to do that yet. It's Jeremy Coling joining the show again. Welcome, Germ. Thank you so much, Papa Nate. Sorry to call you that. I can't help it. It is a great nickname, and it's actually Pappy. Sorry. It's all right with me, man. <laughs> the Big Kahuna returns an engaged man. He was not at his last appearance on Running It with Nate Sexton. Congratulations, Jerm. Thank you so very much, Jarrett. I really appreciate it. Um, it. It feels amazing, and I've received so much love from everyone, everywhere I've gone, and... Um, it's one of those things like well, after a couple of weeks, you feel like, oh, I'm an engaged man. And then you kind of forget that it's news to everyone. So when you go to a new place, a bunch of new people are there with a bunch of congratulations and reminding you how special it is to everyone. And, and I really appreciate it every time. Yeah. The, the hard part is after the wedding and uh, you end up running into like a friend or somebody that just totally oh, skipped yeah. your mind. And they're <laughs> like, hey, man, how you been? And you're like, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. that's going to yeah. happen. That's going to happen. <laughs> we just got a, uh, we just got eloped. Uh, yeah. So it wasn't a big deal, but <laughs> yeah, I know that's going to happen and it's tough being in the position I'm in because I've, there's so many people I care about and, uh, you know, I mean, I can't have everybody there. So, you know, um, I've already told Nate that he's on a, he's got a pretty good chance of being invited, but like, it's not many more people than that. Um, Bree, maybe. You know, maybe Brie. I don't even know if I for, for Brie, but there's going to be no, it's 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 tough position right now because that's what Jules and I are trying to do. We're trying to figure out what we want to do with it. And, um, you know, obviously, I've never planned a wedding before, so it's all new. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be some sort of disc golf tournament where the top guys get into the <laughs> wedding and the other ones, they just don't. But <laughs> Jonathan Gomez, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> play your way in, baby. That's right. So, uh, so you guys both, uh, are coming off, uh, this long trip to worlds. You guys both played in the world's, um, mixed doubles. And, uh, Nate, you, you ended up doing pretty good in that as well. What's the whole experience like out there as it's going on? Mixed doubles specifically? No, just to hold the world championship that oh, the whole, man. The, you it's know, hot. <laughs> yeah, that's a good it's one. hot there. Uh, yeah, man, I, it was great. Um, you know, I'd never been before, so I know a lot of guys had played the Utah open. These were brand new courses for me. Uh, and I hadn't played at elevation for a while either. So I kind of worked my bag around at home, got a bunch of, uh, beat up old discs that I thought would fly better. And, and they did, they were, uh, you know, it was, it's kind of like going in a time machine where you had like your old favorite firebird and then it got too flippy. And then you go to Utah and you're like, Oh, sweet. We're back together again. Cause it's flying just like I remember. So that was kind of like step one. And then, yeah, my brother and I, my brother Colin came and played the tournament and we flew in, um, the night before that mixed doubles and got up in the morning and we're like, yeah, it is hot that they weren't lying. And then, yeah, went out to the course. I played that course, the fort, uh, totally blind for the mixed doubles. And, uh, it was fun. My partner, Sarah is a great player. Uh, her husband, Andrew was pulling double caddy duty, my bag on his back and her discs in a cart, keeping the snacks flowing, keeping the drinks flowing. And, and yeah, we played well and, uh, it was fun. 
It was a good way to kind of get a get a look at the course. Jerem, what what about you? Who was your mixed doubles partner? Um, an up and coming player that uh, most of you guys have probably heard of by now, Paige Pierce. Um, we've we've been playing doubles together since 2013, and we've got two two titles behind our name. Um, we were looking for a third, but uh, you know it's been it's been a long time since we played together. Actually, the last time we had competed in a mixed doubles was 2017 and um you know we were uh, it, something came up in 2018 where we couldn't make it 2019 i was injured 2020 didn't happen so it's been a while and it took us um a little bit longer than nate and sarah did to uh kind of get a rhythm and groove going on and um so we we didn't finish as well as nate and sarah did but um you know uh it, fast forwarding to the tournament you know like yeah, Nate didn't win. I didn't win, so we kind of finished in the same in that respect. And we also same, same. right. And, and we we both have only threes next to our names in our finishing, so it's basically like we finished the exact same. So twinsies, you know, pretty, pretty pretty successful world championships for the commentary. Two of the uh, the three of us. No, absolutely, Nate. I don't want to get too I don't want to get too personal here, but it, I would not be doing justice to our listeners if I didn't ask. You took down third in the mixed doubles. Have you designated what you're going to spend the $68 payout on? Uh, I don't, I, I'm probably already spent it. I think, uh, we were, we were having some upscale pizzas. Yes. Uh, there in Ogden. Yeah. And, uh, you know, those don't come cheap. So, uh, I think I spent it already, but it was Shout good. Out to Slackwater. It was good. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, guys. I, I want to get a little spicy, I guess, because the big topic that everyone's talking about in the worlds were the conditions of the two courses. I've been hearing a lot about tee pads that were backwards and uneven and the out of bounds lines coming in, you know, after the tournament had already started. What do you guys think? I think. You know, for one, I'm old school. So I think it's a little harder to bug me than it is to bug some of these newer guys that have, you know, come up in this disc golf pro tour world where like the pros are really taken well taken care of. So like, I don't feel like any T pads bothered me, but I also can totally hear people saying, Hey, we need a consistent surface. And that makes sense. Like why would one be turf and one be cement and all that? So I can get behind that. Uh, although it doesn't personally bother me and I didn't have any problems on any of the T pads the whole week. Although a couple of them are a little small. I guess if I had to, if I had to make a change, there'd be a couple at Mulligans, uh, for those big long shots that you'd like to have a little bit more room. As far as the OB thing, uh, that was kind of a bogey, I feel like, uh, to not have those traps and greens, uh, more clearly marked. And there was sort of an outcry for that before the tournament even started. I don't really know the inner workings of what conversations were had. I only know hearsay, so I'm not going to bring any of that up. But I will say that it, it, w- it makes a, a cleaner, better course when those are clearly marked. And it was kind of a strange thing for those to become marked, uh, after the first round. And uh, even though obviously everyone has to play the same layouts, I can understand how it would be pretty frustrating to on day one 
call a group mate inbounds in a given location, and then on day three, you yourself throw to that exact same location and have to take a penalty because the line has moved. Uh, so, you know, obviously that's not ideal. But uh, overall, I mean, I had a good time. I think I think Germ's going to have some some words on this as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you touched on the main things. I mean, obviously, marking lines in between events, uh, I mean, between rounds in the middle of the same event is it was the right thing to do two days before it happened. Um, but it was not the right thing to do once the event had started. And it was somewhat frustrating because like Nate said, there was some talks in, 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 um, on the sidelines about like people being willing to step up and line these with string. And for some reason, the, um, the, I don't know if it's the event staff to point fingers out or the PDJ. Um, and I guess it's not really fair to speculate, but they said, Oh, we'll just make the lines cleaner, which is okay to say on the bunkers, but the greens themselves were really the problem. The, the shortest cut of the green is what's out of bounds on these greens. And sometimes the shortcut and the fringe is, uh, is, is a bit of a blurry line. And so to not have those strung, um, puts a lot of pressure on the groups to make a call. That's not really, it's not a situation anyone, anyone wants to find themselves in. And, um, so anytime we can make those, those lines as clear as possible, it's a really big deal and a lot less stress on the players to think about, man, if I have to make this call, like, I don't want to have to do this. This is, you know, there's a world title on the line. Um, I think, I think the inconsistency of the T pads to repeat what Nate said is an issue. Um, but, you know, we, we deal with inconsistencies across the sport. Like uh, every single weekend we're playing on a different basket and what, what catches on this basket might not catch on the other basket. So there's standardization that goes across the board there. And, you know, it's just one of those things that where we are in disc golf, it's just like, you know, are we going to really harp on this too much? It's not really that big of a deal. Um, it would be nice if we had some sort of standardization, you know, a, a basketball rim is 10 feet high and it's a certain circumference and, um, and it's, it stays that way every time. And so is the field goal post and, and NFL and so on and so forth. So like, you know, it'd be nice if we could kind of get used to those things, but I think the nature of golf is, um, dealing with a little bit of the unexpected and unpredictable. And, and we certainly get a lot of that in disc golf. So it's not really a good place to start complaining. Um, but there were some other things like the, the golf course is not being, um, rented or shut down or reserved for disc golf specifically the week leading up and not even just the week, like days leading up to the event led to competitors who were out there warming up just a couple of days before worlds getting hit by golfers who didn't care who on the account of the player getting hit in the face said that they were aiming at them because they were upset that we were there on their property. And that should have never happened. And it looked really bad and it, it was unfortunate. And, um, you know, there was the Brody Smith incident where he had to rent out the driving range because players didn't have a place to throw long drives. And as you all know, when we're playing on a golf course, we need to warm up those long drives. And it's not, it's not enough to throw into a fence or a net. We want to be able to see our drives fly because like Nate said earlier, we're at elevation and we need to see what our discs are doing at 400 feet. It doesn't matter what they're, 
it's not just about the stretching element of throwing. It's about actually watching our flight and being in tune to the flight as we're about to go embark on a round of disc golf at the world championship. So yeah, there, there were some oversights, but you know, those are the easy things to look at. We, I feel like every year at the world championships, it is, it is the number one time when everyone finds everything wrong with the event and they really focus on it. And I feel like every year, the world's is just more exposed than any other event because it has that uh, title attached to it that we are so much more picky about every single little thing that we don't take time to really appreciate all the good things that are going on as well. And there were plenty of amazing things happening in Utah last week. I'd say I'll tell you one miss that I think happens during the world's this year. One thing that was missed out on, and, and maybe it's just me being a traditional sports fan, but I like my world champion to be crowned at the end of the year. I, I I like to watch it play out all season and watch the teams or the players develop and get into that championship mode to where at the end of the year, they've earned the spot to be where they are and win that championship. And to me, yes, you know, not, not to take away anything from James or, or Paul or, or even Nate, anybody that went out there and performed amazing. Spoilers, dude. Spoilers. It was, Come on, bro. If you're not watching live disc golf, you're missing out. Um, you know, not to take anything away from it, but it's just like, that was just a tournament in the middle of the season. And that happened to be called the world championship, but it didn't feel as world championshipy to me as watching a Super Bowl or a World Series or a Stanley Cup does. That's my personal opinion. I don't know how you guys feel about it. That's an interesting point. Well, it's always been that way. Uh, the world has fluctuated, you know, between June and maybe September, but it's never been like the last tournament. Uh, I suppose for some reasons I'm glad because you kind of need it to be summer to like have the whole country available as potential venues. Uh, because if you push it into November or something, you're pretty much going to have to be in the South somewhere or Florida or something to have the kind of weather you would want to contest something like that. So I think as disc golfers, we're pretty used to it. And I, and the other thing is like, it isn't just another tournament because it's not a surprise that it's the world championship. Everyone knows it's the world championship. Everyone prepares for the world championship and, uh, all the players want it more. So while it might feel that way to a fan, uh, it doesn't feel that way to the players. I don't think because everyone is taking it, uh, you know, an, an extra three or four levels more seriously than yeah, they might I, be I taking a, a regular tournament. Yeah, that, that, I resonate with that statement. I think that once you know, I mean, we've known for three years that the world championship would be held in Ogden in June. We thought it was going to be in 2020. So we had an extra year to prepare for it in June, 2021. And, you know, I mean, I think that Nate's right. I think that we've had enough of the season at this point that I don't think there's any person that feels like, oh, I wish I was more warmed up or more prepared. I think that we've had plenty of touring action thus far to feel adequately prepared to go out there and compete for the world title. That's fair enough. And, and compete. It certainly was, uh, I don't want to sit here and go round for round or, or hole for hole, but we have to talk about these two endings. First of all, did you guys get an opportunity to watch the FPO ending or were you already in your rounds warming up? Did you know what was going on there? I was right there. Uh, I didn't, I, it was so early. I didn't even have to be warming up yet. I was walking with my brother, um, the last couple holes, uh, starting around hole 16, the Island hole. And we were right there with the group, 
Uh, so I had a front row seat to that whole uh, that whole finishing stretch. I was on hole three, um, but I was my entire warm up was based on finding uh, time to uh, watch the 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 ladies compete and finish their rounds and pulling for Lisa because she was making a great run and watching Paige hit that huge putt from the drop zone. Spoiler alert. Um, and then, uh, yeah, obviously what took place in the last hole was just like my entire card was, was gathered around my phone right after we tapped out on hole three and we were, we were watching it happen. And that moment we were no more than 600 feet from where it was happening. And, uh, all of our jaws just dropped as Katrina threw that incredible shot to, to put all the pressure on page. Yeah, it was an, it was an amazing shot. I mean, what just out of position, such a high Anheuser to turn it around that you need, you need power and you need a great knowledge of what your disc is going to do to make that shot shape happen into all that out of bounds. The first thing I said when I saw it is I couldn't have thrown that shot. And no, I, I don't, and think- I believe that. that that's not a shot that I have in my bag. Uh, certainly not with a world championship on the line. So I was, I was, uh, you know, jaw on the floor after saw, seeing her execute that and put it on the line from being out of bounds. Because if that goes out of bounds, tournament's over. You know, it's that it, the the margin is that thin. If if Paige has no pressure on her, there's no way she makes that mistake. She wouldn't even need to make. She could have made bogey and forced a playoff. I think at that point, if if Katrina was out, and that's assuming Katrina hits a circles edge putt, it was so clutch and so crazy. Uh, you know, and, and I was equally, you know, a bit surprised. Obviously, I think we all were that Paige didn't, uh, get up in there and, and make Katrina make the putt. But, you know, obviously a little bit of a misplay for her. Uh, and that can happen when you get surprised by somebody making a shot that all of a sudden you kind of felt like you had it. And then all of a sudden there's pressure again. And, you know, clearly not, not her best shot of the week. Yeah. I wish I had, um, I wish I had pinpointed exactly where Kat had thrown her approach from because um, I remember thinking there at that moment, I really want to go to that spot and look at it and assess it as if I had to make that decision. And what would I do? I mean, clearly I would be throwing a forehand. I would never in my wildest dreams be able to execute the backhand that she did to get on the green. But like, I wonder if it was even out of like comfortable forehand range. Or it, was. it was. It's just incredible that she was able to do that. It wasn't a forehand. I don't think, I don't think you or I would have had much success throwing forehand from that spot. It had to be the backhand. Oh my gosh. That's, it is just impressive. And I mean, I didn't see it coming and for it to like to be as dramatic as it was to, to get on the green and spin its way all the way to halfway in, halfway out. I mean, just like you can't, you cannot write it up any better than that. And I cannot wait for the documentary to come out documenting the endings of both the FPO and MPO finishes. It is, it is deserving of Cannes film festival all the way. (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah. And I think that is what makes this year so amazing because after watching that, I thought to myself, I, what could top this? I mean, it was an amazing run all the way through and you know, what just had to happen, the events that had to occur for this to happen are just unbelievable. We'll never see anything like this again. Nope. Now let's fast forward a few hours later to 18. Nate, you had to still be right there. Germ, were you following 
walk me through what was happening. We yeah, were so both, I, we were both yeah. right there. Yeah. I was following Nate, obviously. Um, once my round finished, I added scores. I hung out and signed autographs for a little while. And then, um, as soon as my line had diminished, I sprinted over to watch Nate see off on 17. Cause you know, if, if league card messes up on 16 and they don't finish well, you know, Nate champ, Nate's championship hopes were still well alive. And, um, so I, I got over there and, um, watched Nate just throw a great drive and it's just a pinpoint approach with his dart. And, um, at that point we'd already seen that James and, and Paul had birdied it and, and given them a little bit of room on top of Nate. And then Kevin had that just, inc- oh my God, just a heartbreaking hole 16. And that gave Nate a little bit of wiggle room to be able to play 18 safe and knowing that he was really in a position where he couldn't control his destiny anymore, you know, uh, and, and not having a perfect drive played it for the par, which is a smart thing to do secure a solo third place, which is just a dream come true really for, for everybody, but two people that out there, um, a third place finish at worlds is unbelievable. And, um, you know, so we were sitting there by the green and I know that Nate had a bunch of people asking for autographs and, um, we had a little bit of time to kind of gather around the green and, um, we saw that they were just battling back and forth, just getting birdies left and right. And Paul wasn't letting any strokes go. And so, you know, and, and that just set up what, um, what we all know what happened, uh, on the last hole. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, uh, I was trying to play the last hole for birdie, but my drive just wasn't good enough. Uh, and I had no play for the green from, from where my drive landed. So I had to play for par, but it wasn't that, um, deflating because I knew no one could really catch me because, because Kevin got so unlucky and because I had gotten a little breathing room over Chris, uh, with that birdie on the 17th. And I knew that even with a birdie, uh, I was going to be relying on, I think maybe a double bogey from either from James and maybe a triple from Paul or something sort of a, a impossible scenario for me to think of, think of myself sneaking up into the top two. But yeah, I, I finished my round. Obviously, you know, germs, right. I was obviously I wanted to win. Uh, but once that was, once I could tell that wasn't happening, uh, I was almost immediately really, really happy with third, you know, just to, the performance that I'd had and, and, uh, just being able to stay solid the whole time. Obviously, you know, certain shots play back in my mind and I think, oh man, I could have shaved four shots so easy, but anyone can say that. Even Macbeth and James mm-hmm. obviously are making terrible mistakes at points during the tournament. But yeah, then, then we were around the green, um, Watching it come down and, you know, nobody had any sense for what was about to happen. Obviously, I, I was probably just like 50 feet from the basket. Uh, we heard James had a bad drive. We couldn't really see or anything. We knew that it was his second. We knew Paul had laid up. It's pretty much over at that point. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, obviously we, we knew James was going to give out. it a bid. Oh, what'd you we've say? This, I, I said, we've seen this scenario play out almost at every tournament ever, unless it's like a walk away, run, run away victory. Yeah. This scenario plays out at almost every event that we go to where somebody has a one or a two stroke lead and somebody has to throw it in and everyone always tries and it never happens. And it's like, you don't set yourself up for the situation where you think this guy has to throw it in from two fifty plus to tie the world championships. Okay. Like that's, you know, okay, cool. Like never going to happen. So yeah, you know, 
anyways, keep going. Though. Yeah, yeah, no, totally, though. I mean, yeah, nobody's expecting it. You're just thinking, man, like, let's get ready to clap for James because what a fight. You know, he played so well. And I guess we got the six-time guy now with Macbeth. And, you know, either way, I like both those guys. So I, I, I wouldn't say I had – I wasn't, like, sitting there going, oh, I really hope somebody wins or somebody else wins. I was going to be clapping and hats off to whoever got it done. But, yeah, obviously then it happened. James throws the shot. And I saw it flying in and everyone's kind of going, get in, oh, get in. I'm like, wow, that's a pretty good line. And when it hit, I mean, I think I I posted some of this on Instagram. It was like nothing I've really ever remember experiencing before in that I just, my arms just shot above my head and I just screamed. And it was just kind of (laughs) like, wow, you know, like for a good 10 seconds, I'm just going, ah. And just like not really even knowing what's happening, you know, just like what, how is this, you know, just the most exciting, amazing sporting thing I've ever personally seen, you know, so that was, that was so special to be able to be there and and just everyone freaking out and the fairway getting rushed in on and all the staff did a great job, like get out of the way, get out of the way. Cause obviously Paul needs to have his chance to execute and force that playoff. You know, you need to get everyone out of the way. It's not time to celebrate yet. But wow, I mean, I, I mean, what else can you say? I, it was, it was the best shot I've ever seen. It's probably the best shot I ever will see, considering that it won a world championship, and the odds of making it are like <laughs> one in a thousand. You know, like how often maybe. do you see someone throw in from two fifty? It's like one in a thousand, maybe. That's it's why just, I say, yeah. I've said a million times that is without a doubt. Hands down, the most clutch thing that has ever happened in any professional sport. And, you know, a game-winning three-pointer in the NBA is amazing, but people hit three-pointers all the time. Yeah. You know, a game-winning home run in the World Series, awesome. But home runs happen a few times a game. Throwing in from 250 just doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be a golf tournament sometime when somebody aced the last hole, I assume, but probably not for any kind of major or else we'd all know about it. Yeah, it, it. You're right. I mean, like, I obviously think that you're, you're going to be hard pressed to find anyone who's ever seen anything like that, aside from the 1,400 spectators and then whoever was competing and and the staff. And and aside from that, the people that were lucky enough to be there, um, will all share something that will go down as in our lifetime. I I don't think that we'll ever see anything in any major sport where a more incredible thing will happen at the very end of the biggest stage for that sport. Um, and yeah, the no. thing, the, the thing that, the thing that makes it so special to me, Nate, if we're, and we're, we're diving into it now. So let's, let's go, let's get into this. The thing that makes it so special isn't just what happened in the last hole. If the last hole had played out exactly the way it did, but everything up to that was different. It wouldn't be as special as it ended up being. And and I'll go back to hole 12 specifically where Macbeth really began winning the world title. He played that bank shot off the fence for his save. And in that situation, he has to rely on a metal fence to bounce in a way that he's predicting it to. And then he has to hit the spot and execute that. He did it so perfectly that he got up and down for his par. From there on out, he birdies 13 with a huge, Huge death putt. Yeah. Elevated basket. On 14, he hits a putt that he can barely see the basket from outside circle one, maybe 45 feet. Huge putt. On 15, I can't remember if it was a big putt or if it was a good drive, but either way, he birdies 15. 
He birdies 16, and then he makes a putt outside the circle on 17. He played perfect with the lead. And not only that, he has the tee box going into 18 with a one-stroke lead, which I don't understand how he doesn't have a four-stroke lead at this point. Hats off to James just to keep it close at that point. But then he throws the perfect drive, which gives him the opportunity to see what James does. If James throws a good drive, it's game over because Macbeth has the ability to take that shot, just go risky with it. Who cares? Because he's got strokes to play with and he puts it on the green and it's over. And James then has to try to get a birdie just to lose by one. But James has to throw a bad drive there and he does. Not only that, James has to lay up first with Macbeth seeing that James is still out of position around the corner, 250 out. It gives Paul all the freedom in the world to do what any person in that situation would do with any right mind. And you lay what, up there. You don't have what to, he has have to, to do anymore. What he has, he to, has do. to do. He has Absolutely. no choice. People are and giving, I, I'm seeing people giving him crap for laying up. I'm like, do no, you understand how to, they win don't know how to golf. They don't know how to golf. If they, if anybody who says that doesn't know how to golf, I talked to Paul. I called him a day or two ago just to say great fight and, and how crazy was that? And man. And and he was he was heading home and he was like, it just keeps running in my mind. I just wish James would have had a good drive. Yeah, because then because we all know Macbeth would have put it on the green if he needed yep. to from that spot where he landed. He was his in drive. the zone. Yeah, he, he was, was in a good spot. He's like three, dialed in three fifty maybe, and and he's gonna put it on the green. And we were I was you know talking to him and joking with him how man that's a strategy I need to use next time I'm chasing Macbeth a sneak attack. <laughs> because you, because that's kind of what it ended up being, you know, for James. Not that he planned it this way; it was out of out of necessity. But throw the bad drive, force Macbeth to play safe, and then bang it in from two fifty. Because that was a it's a foolproof, you know. Macbeth had no choice in the matter; he couldn't do it's anything chess. else. He had to do what he had to do. James had to make an a, the shot of a lifetime and did. I mean, most people are going to live their whole lives not ever throwing a shot even nearly that good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was crazy. And, and obviously both of those guys are great guys and I'm, cl- I'm pretty close with both of them closer with Paul, I would say. But after James made that shot, I'm only human. I, I wanted James to win that thing because mm-hmm. it was just too incredible. Mm-hmm. And then I heard everyone going, Conrad, Conrad. And I said yeah. to my brother, I said to my brother, if they keep doing that, that's the only way to make sure Macbeth wins this thing. Because that's yeah. how Macbeth is wired. <laughs> yeah. He, you know, if, if you're, if, <laughs> if he feels it, everyone wants James. And clearly that didn't happen this time. Cause I'm sure he felt that. And he knew that everyone was behind James in that moment. And I was still expecting him to just hammer down and win the thing. Uh, but James had been playing 16 so well. And so had Paul. But, but yeah, I mean, I certainly, it just felt like, how can he not win now? I mean, that was too epic to birdie the last five with big putts and go toe to toe with Macbeth. And then to throw that in, I mean, it just had to, it was just a story that had to be, had to have a happy ending for him because it was just that moment. It loses a lot of its weight if he doesn't win. I'm glad it happened on 16. I mean, I think that. People who were maybe in person to witness the Macbeth Waisaki playoff at Worlds in 2014 kind of wish that maybe there was a longer world championship playoff, but I'm glad it happened there because the gallery wasn't going to be allowed to go down 17. And I think the gallery needed to be present 
for James to be able to really rejoice in that moment. Um, granted, it could have come back to 18 because the loop was 16, 17, 18. Um, but, you know, I wonder if James has the ability to compose himself after playing 18 the way he just had to be able to stay focused and do it again. Um, whereas 16, a hole that he had aced and almost aced again and parked it a third time and he's playing it for his fourth time. He's got this line dialed in and, um, and now he's got the crowd with him right there cheering his name, chanting and feeling the energy from everyone. I'm, I'm so happy for him that it happened where it did. Yeah. And that's the same thing. You know, when they told us that we weren't going to be able to go over to 17, two things happened. I was standing there with my brother. <laughs> the first thing was, well, then I hope it ends here because I don't, because this has got to be in front of all these people. And the second yeah. thing I said to my brother was, if they both go on the island, we're running towards hole 17. Yeah. Good luck. Stop. And us. we'll see. And we'll see. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Who's going to stop that? Yeah. We said we were going anyway. Cause yeah, I normally, I like following rules, but I wasn't about, I was going to go stand by the basket on 17 and wait for him to come down. I don't even care about watching the drives. I just want to see the thing end. See the, yeah. see the, the arms go above the head, see the tears go into the eyes of the guy that, that wins it. So I wasn't going to miss that. Uh, but also I was glad cause there were people that were going to miss it. You know, I was going to probably be able to play my card of being a professional player and people probably weren't going to tell me to get out of there like they probably should because I was just going to push my way over there. But, um, but I'm glad that it ended where it did, despite the fact that long playoffs are incredibly intense. But I mean, they basically were in a playoff for the last five holes. So we right. got to yeah. see that. We got yeah. to see that back and forth. Go, go, go. You know, it was, it was, it felt like a playoff all the way down. So it was the, it was the perfect story. I mean, the perfect day it for really James, was. obviously a heartbreaker for Paul, mm-hmm. uh, crazy way to lose, uh, for probably one of the most competitive guys on the planet. Uh, to, to lose like that, uh, I, d- I doubt he's sleeping easy right now because like, you know, it was, he had it, he played it perfect. He had it. He was, it was in his pocket and then it just he, got stolen, you know, he can't, but it's he crazy. Can't it beat him up. He didn't lose. James won. No, of I, course, I of course, of you course, know. but he, but it's just tough because Paul knows he could have made the green, but why would he try? You know, so it's like it's just it's just a tough way to go out. I mean, that's all I'm saying. Hats off to James. James earned it. James deserves it. But I I also feel for Paul just because of you know how how sure a thing that was up until the very moment when it wasn't. If if you go up to Paul and you describe the scenario that you are going to get up and down right here on hole twelve. You're going to birdie 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and you're going to throw a perfect drive on 18. He takes that every single time. You oh, know? yeah. Like anyone in the world would. He played everything perfect. And, and that's the thing that's so, so like, I, I, I think that's the thing that makes the moment give me goosebumps every single time I watch it. And I mean, because I'm human, I've seen it over 150 times now. And yeah. I would say it's closer to, I mean, like, I don't know how many times you could possibly see it, but I've seen it as many times, every single time it's on Instagram and I'm scrolling through, I don't just keep scrolling. Cause I'm like, Oh, I've seen this before. I relive the moment every single time. And that's what you should do too, by the way, everyone is listening because it is that special of a thing. It is that rare and we don't need to talk anymore about it, but it, 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 it um, it's just, it's everything happened exactly how it should to make it the most dramatic thing that will ever happen in our lifetime. 
And what a perfect time in the evolution of the game for a moment like that. Because, like, we're already growing and getting eyes. And I just feel like this thing is going to be bigger than we even think. You know, like, I I mean, I don't know. Like, like ESPY Awards, right? I mean... Could James yeah, be I agree. on ESPN wow. getting an ESPY award? I, I agree oh with God, you. God, it has to be. It, if it isn't, it's it that says a, a lot about our sport, and it's a, but it says even more about society for not accepting the the inevitability of its greatness. I, I feel mean, like we just, might be seeing James in like a nice rental suit up on the stage whoa. at the ESPYS. Some, some, something with a something with a colored elbow patch, maybe. Yeah. On the jacket, I could, yeah. I could see. Like I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility of where this shot could go. You, you oh. know, it's it's funny because you talked about how competitive whoa. Paula is, and everybody knows that. And I was joking around with my buddies because I was really pulling for Cat hard at the end, and they were like. Yeah, I thought you were a big Page fan. I'm like, listen, I am a big Page fan, but if Page pulls down six today, then nobody's stopping Paul in the afternoon, and Nate still has a chance at this thing. So if if Page if Page gets number six, Paul's Paul's getting number six today too. So um, I, I think that that, <laughs> but I I, I, I imagine way of looking at that. Yeah, I uh, I saw that coming. Now I I like to laugh about the guy that doesn't watch the live disc golf. He's not interested in it. And then he shut down his social media. He eliminated his Facebook. He was going to wait for the Jomez coverage to come out. And in the morning he turned on sports center and then boom, spoiler alert. There's, there he is. <laughs> you can't right hide there. anymore. You That's can't right. hide anymore. Can't hide it anymore. Big. Now, Guys, talk to me a little bit about what it was like after experiencing that and still being on this crazy high. And certainly for you, Nate, you just had a third place finish. You just saw the most outrageous ending in the history of professional disc golf. You know that everybody's probably seen it or heard about it. And now you have to go and do post coverage. And did you guys discuss, like, are we going to freak out? Like, it's our first time seeing it or how are we going to react? Walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we did discuss it, and you know, I I, I was aware of it right away. Obviously, um, we've we've been doing this a long time. So when I went up to get my trophy, I you know I thanked everyone, I thanked my sponsors, I thanked the staff, I you know said what the, the third place meant to me, and then I signed off by saying, "Hey, I'm about to go make the greatest Jomez video of all time." And there was a huge cheer, and you know, people were looking forward to hearing what we would have to say about it, and of course. You know, the illusion of, um, of it being live is, is kind of the way that our coverage has evolved. So of course we're going to act like we don't know what's going to happen because that's how we do it. But we did, we did discuss it, the three of us a little bit about, you know, trying to make sure we didn't go over the top, you know, cause that's going to feel a little fake. I think the acting, um, but it, but it also, it's like the moment was still so fresh and it's still so amazing that it's pretty easy to get yourself back in that mode of like disbelief. Uh, and just sort of naturally react to what we're seeing. Um, so yeah, I, I think we did a good job with it. It, it is a, a tricky place to be sometimes, uh, to, to go back, you know, like when I went, when I did commentary on my own USDGC win, that was really weird, uh, to try to, you know, build the drama. And at the same time, you know, it's like this talking over like one of the biggest achievements of my life. And, and this was, you know, obviously not my achievement, but kind of similar, just sort of like a really big moment in the sport. So 
I feel like live is is a really important thing, and it's great that so many people got to watch it live. And I think with that shot, it's going to live on in a bunch of places on YouTube and everywhere else. But I also feel like Jomez is kind of like the 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 history of the game in a way, or the, in this modern era with all the other post-produced outfits because you can go back and watch those rounds, you know, forever and, and it doesn't take four hours. So it's more likely rewatch type of situation. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was crazy. Uh, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the way that we, we ended up calling it. I, um, I agree with you. Um, I think that, uh, the number one question I got after worlds had wrapped up was, can I get your autograph? And I, uh, what are you gonna? How are you gonna call the the shot, the uh, the shot that everyone's calling the holy shot, which is amazing. Um, uh, I think that um, it, it, there is a, 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 a because of what Nate had just said. There's a big responsibility on our part, um, and not just Jomez, um, specifically because they were covering live uh, final round. I mean, not live, but they were covering the final round. And so that means that we were calling this shot and this would be the shot that people would go to if they wanted the faster version of what took place. And so obviously we knew the magnitude going into it, um, what that meant. And there's, you know, you don't want to go into that call. You don't want to, you want to foreshadow enough that you don't know what's going to happen, even though you do. And you want to react as if you're genuinely blown away by the moment. But like like Nate said, you don't want to overact it, and it's a hard place to be. And none of us are trained actors, and we're just human. and And I think that the thing that really helped us deliver it in in a way that I think was successful was, like Nate had just said, we were just it was five o'clock in the morning when we started recording. Normally we do it the night of the round, but Jomas wanted us to watch the actual post-produced content that they were going to put out there. Cause a lot of times we'll just record our commentary before the follow flight graphics are input in there. And a lot of other things are put in there afterwards, but they wanted us to watch it as if we were the viewer in its entirety. And so we had to wait till five o'clock in the morning to do that. And by doing so, you know, we were really tired and we really did live that moment in the shock of what it was, even though we knew it was going to happen anyways. Like I still find myself today, uh, Wednesday, trying to like recall whether or not it actually happened. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I'm like, sure. did that really take place exactly the way it took place? And so that next morning, trying to relive that moment and quote unquote act surprised was no acting, man. That was like genuinely like watching that. I know it's going in, but oh my God. Oh my gosh. Uh, what chills? And like, I had chills, like actual goosebumps while doing commentary, even though I knew it was going to happen. Um, so yeah, it, it is a difficult thing to do, but, um, I think that, uh, you know, when we, when we took our headsets off that, that, uh, that morning and we shook our hands after we were done, I think we all agreed that, um, we did, uh, as well as we could do with <laughs> our acting experience and with our commentary experience. And, um, you know, we just hope that the fans agree with that, but if they don't, you know, you try. <laughs> well, plus you guys were left, <laughs> you guys were left in a tough spot because Ian already took the number one response to it. So everyone that heard it yeah. live, you know, I he, went with words and Ian went with, with sounds, which I like the sounds call. Yeah. That is a nice, 
an, a, a take that I hadn't thought about. But, you know, he does have the advantage of authentic, authentic reaction. And that's it. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> what will elicit the... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's actually, in sports history, it's one of my favorite calls. <laughs> yeah. You're darn right it is. It's, yeah. It's amazing. It goes up there with Al Michaels. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. And Mike Breen's bang. And then there's Ian Anderson's. Oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. That, that might've just taken over. Boom goes the dynamite. We, yes. we got it. The, the footage of Ian doing that must exist. Is that, has that been seen? Oh my gosh. I would love to see that. I, do they save the, uh, the, the video? I sure hope That's so, but I don't shown. know. Oh, I don't know. Gosh. Please, if they're listening, I would pick I gotta see that. <laughs> yes. I gotta I heard that Philo got up and just walked out of the commentary booth and that they had to actually cut the audio. If you watch the live rerun, um there's like a four or five second gap where they don't say anything. They cut the audio. <laughs> yeah, because the booth's got- probably just going crazy. Headphones f- smashing around on the you know on the table. It's <laughs> it's nuts. I mean, yeah. I mean, we were all going crazy in person too. So who can blame them? You know, they're obviously they're they're professional commentators, but some things are a little too crazy to just be. Wow, what a shot from Conrad! <laughs> yes, what a moment! And Paul now has to get up and down for his par. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> um, did you see the story about the guy who? Uh, him and his wife had just had a kid and they were at the hospital and he was, he had a moment where his wife and the kid were sleeping. And so he was watching the championships. And uh, when it happened, he screamed and the nurses came to the room to see what was going on. And he was like, Oh, everything's fine. Wow. <laughs> <then> he was just... <laughs> That's what I love about this. Is that there's stories that are coming out from people in all nooks and corners of the world who you know, what were you doing when? Yeah, totally, totally. And it's it's pretty cool to see all these things unfold. Yeah, for real. It was amazing. Well, we have uh, we have a million fan questions um, for you guys about literally a million, um, but we won't do all of them. But you guys want to take some uh, some questions about Worlds here? Yeah, sure. We could to. probably do like uh, 20, 30,000. Okay, cool. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Um <laughs> <laughs> we got a million congratulations uh, for you, Nate, as well. Thanks. Uh, oh, it, for Nate. Well, you, you, t- you too, Germ, for for having such a for for having a friend who's so damn good at disc golf. Um, <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> a million congratulations! It's, it was just really awesome to see all of the fans uh, tagging the show uh, while they're you know uh, answering to your social media, and we appreciate you guys bearing with us while we took a few weeks off so Nate could uh, could get ready, and it worked. Listen, I'm not I'm not taking any credit here, but. Best year at Worlds, same year as running it. I don't know. I'm just saying. I don't. There, maybe there's no correlation, but no, there is. Um, <laughs> we'll have to see. Is. Maybe next year. You know. Yeah. Got to improve on it. I'm. I mean, I was sixth in 2019. That was a, that was a really good Worlds too. So you know, I'm kind of a I'm kind of a show up at the Worlds guy now. 2009 or 2019. 19 Worlds. I was sixth, and now oh, you I'm got third six there too. Yeah. So. Oh wow. I'm kind of like a world's shredder now. Well, if you continue that trend, you're going to get first in the half place next time. I'll take it. All right. <laughs> what am I going to do with you two? Um, <clears throat> all right. So let's see here. 
We're going to start with, uh, oh, Mr. Jeff Panis asked, was hole 18 at the fort the best finishing hole in disc golf? What's a better example? Oh, Jeff Panis, Innova Media Director. Um, I'm going to say no, uh, but it wasn't bad. I I liked the bleachers. When I first saw the the venue, I was like, what are all those bleachers? They're really going to have people in all those bleachers? And yeah, they did, and it worked. So hats off for that. Uh, I don't like the trees at the water's edge very much because the gaps are just not – there's a couple good gaps, but a lot of them are a little bit more lucky than I like. Um, so that part of the hole I don't really like. And then uh, the rest of it is okay. I mean, it's definitely a high-pressure type of hole. It's a good It's a good finishing hole for sure. Greatest finishing hole? Nah. I would rather play uh, 18 and Nokia. I would probably rather play mm, maybe 18 at Winthrop also. It's hard to remember all the 18s, but certainly 18 at Nokia is better. I think the the stage setup uh, suits better at Maple Hill um, for 18. I yeah. think that Nokia, the stage setup, sets better for Nokia 18. As far as design goes, like one of the things that we talk about as far as like logistics and how worlds is run, we don't get into that because obviously design is enjoyable subjectively. And, and, and as far as design goes, I feel like there were many areas that fell short of my personal standards. And I think that that continues on, on 18 for the same reasons that Nate said. Um, I think that anytime you have a mandatory because it forces a type a type of shot, I feel like it's uh, not the best case scenario. And that hole obviously had a mandatory. Um, the out of bounds line was hard to see from the tee, which is very difficult for the players to account exactly how far left or right they could go. Um, but we don't really need to get into that. I just I, I agree as as a in general. I think that there are better finishing holes, but but to that point. There has never been a better finishing hole, if that makes sense. There's never been a, a more compelling more way to play a hole. Yeah. Correct. Yes. 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 It, it, of it turned out wonderfully. It turned out wonderfully. Let's say that. Yeah, I think I agree. Uh, Griffin emails in and he asks, just how much does it mean for a smaller company like MVP to have a world champion? Well, I think uh, it, it remains to be seen. Uh, probably a lot. But uh, we will see. Maybe we'll get back to you in about a year. I think that it's important for... It was huge for MVP, obviously. We all know this. Before the season even began and before James ever played in a single tournament, um, how important it was for MVP to have a contender. Because I think that a lot of times people associate the brand's success with how many players are doing well on tour. And that's just not fair and it's not correct, but it's the way it is. And, um, you know, when they signed James, they gave themselves the best possible chance of having a top finisher at a major event. And, um, they were proven correct within the year of signing him. So obviously hats off to them and congratulations to MVP and everyone there. And obviously to, for, to James to be able to learn new discs, become comfortable with them so, so quickly that he was able to, to throw amazing shots all week, including, you know, the ace on, on 16 and the shot, the holy shot on 18 and 
all the other amazing jump putts he hit, he's, he's clearly comfortable. And um, I think that uh, you'd be a fool to think that it's not going to do some amazing things for the company. Jared from Buffalo asks, Nate, you threw out of bounds on purpose so you could move to the drop zone, right? On hole nine? Yep. No, I did not. But Kevin Jones thought I did, which was pretty funny. Uh, we were talking about it and saying how crazy that is that you get to move all the way up. And it did enter into my mind like, okay, well, be aggressive here because if it goes out of bounds, you'll get to move up. And I went forehand with the sidewinder and I shanked it and immediately turned around. And I, I guess I turned around so fast that Kevin was just like, damn, respect, man. Because he thought <laughs> he thought I just ripped it out of bounds and didn't even watch it. And it was just like, yeah, that's my play. Deal with it. And he was like, wow, dude, like respect. Wow. Damn. But yeah, so he thought I did it on purpose. But no, I did not do it on purpose. I would much rather just land on the drop zone without a penalty, which is possible if I throw the perfect shot. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I, I wouldn't admit to it either. That, right? Did did people post? People posted that somebody had taken advantage of that on purpose. Was and was that Kevin directing it towards you? I have no idea. I mean, he wasn't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if anyone actually thinks I did it on purpose, but I definitely didn't. Uh, Kevin knew right away. We laughed about it right after. But uh, but yeah, for a second there, he was like, "Well, hats off." I mean, we talked about it being advantageous, <laughs> but holy cow, you're willing to just take a stroke? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. got your par though, right? Yeah, I parred. Yeah, and that's that's. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, um, Dan sends into the email. He says, uh, "Great work on the podcast. Look forward to every single one of them." Question for the big sexy boys: With so many heavily backhand dominant world champions, both this year and in the earlier years of the sport, when do you think we'll see a forehand dominant world champion? Well, next year when Nate wins. 2016 we will I yeah mean, yeah i mean ricky he's not forehand dominant but he's been forehand dominant and his forehand is pretty dominant when he goes with it so i think i don't think it's fair necessarily to think that we're not quite in the era where forehand dominance means titles i mean nate and myself both have a u.s title ricky has two world titles i mean greg barsby Greg Barsby's got, you know, one of the best forehands of all time and he's a world champion. So yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. I think you gotta be, you gotta be kind of well-rounded. I mean, obviously James is kind of like a outlier in today's game with just how much he's just a turnover specialist and really does not go to the forehand. But in general, uh, I think more and more the, now you're going to need to be a player who can throw both ways. Uh, you know, ideally to fight the wind, to allow for the most uh, predictable finishes of the, of where your disc is landing. I think Macbeth could have, could easily have a case in being a top 10 most talented forehand players. Oh, he's like if, fantastic if, with it. Yeah. If, if, if Macbeth only threw forehands for a tournament, I think he beats me. Like I, I, his forehand's that good. I think that he could, I think he could throw good enough forehands that he's making his long putts consistently enough that I think that he wins a tournament. Yeah, and he still gets to putt, so he'd be, you know, as long as he's putting, you're you're in trouble. Uh, anyone would be. So yeah. Well, and I, here's the deal: like I, I'm I'm all about me, the self-deprecating humor, but as soon as you start doing it, it turns into something else. So let's not go there. All right. That's why I said anyone would be man. I wasn't coming. I wasn't coming for you. I was coming it for felt everybody. That way. It felt that way. 
You're bad at putting. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> you know what? Roll credits. We're not going to tap that. This thing is... That was amazing. No, I'm um, just kidding. Obviously, he's not bad at putting. So we, we've had a bunch of different questions. Speaking of putting uh, and germ, we've had a bunch of different questions about the fact that Discmania has gone off on their own now and they're no longer got that sisterhood with Innova and what's going to happen with Innova players that are throwing Discmania discs. Well, we, we haven't heard anything official yet, but I got to think it's going to be a thing of the past. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what, uh, Big what Germ happens. got some I mean, fireflies in his future. That's what I'm hoping. The discs I've been that, playing with alpacas for years, so I'm good. I'm good to go. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I, we'll see. Who knows? But, uh, but yeah, hopefully, you know, I'm pushing the firefly. I'm trying. Yeah, all right. Well, you know, I, I, I threw it out there. Uh, another fun question, and it's got to kind of make you wonder, and I don't know if you guys have any uh, inside scoop on this, or even if you did, you would share it. But Chris asks in the email, uh, it's kind of interesting that this ESPN deal pops up right after the holy shot. Is this something that you think has already been in the works, or did ESPN see this and go, all right, we got to get it back into some disc golf? The former definitely been in the works yeah i i would imagine there's no way that espn is just gonna rush to something like that and then we're gonna strike a deal within three days of of the most amazing shot in disc golf um yeah they've been working on it for a while i mean they've been working on this for a couple of years um you know even last year we kind of knew that there could be something happening with espn sometime but um we were just lucky the way that the pieces fell with with COVID, especially to having the opportunity to have some, some dead air time to, to give disc golf a chance. And they saw a lot of success with disc golf last year. I'm surprised that they didn't come to us a little sooner in the year saying, Hey, like, let's continue this, this uh, momentum. I think we've got some audio questions here. I think I might've answered a few of them already, but let's go ahead and take an audio question. Hi, Nate. Congratulations on your third place at worlds. It was so much fun watching you the whole week and I can't wait to see what you do next. So my question is regarding hole 14 at the fort. In the three rounds that you played at the fort, it seemed like this tee shot was the most challenging for you. You were throwing backhand, as you know, and each round it seemed like the shot improved a bit. Uh, But my question is, going into the second and third rounds, where was your head at coming to this shot? And were you satisfied with the final shot on the in the last round? And if not, could you explain? Thank you so much for listening to my question. That's a great question. And no, definitely not satisfied. What happened on that hole was it's a tough low ceiling backhand with OB on the right. Uh, it's a tricky shot for me. In practice and in mixed doubles, I threw it great. In the first round at the fort, I was like, all right, let's crush this. Let's crush this. And then I late release it and went straight in the creek. So that'll wake you up. You're like, oh, shoot, you can go out of bounds here and take a double bogey. Like, I I didn't really think that I would throw it that bad. So then going forward after that, it becomes not like let's crush it, but let's not throw it in the creek. And round two, I was super safe with it. I tried to throw low and get the skip, but I came up even shorter and turned into a single bogey, I think. And then final round, I was sort of like, well, let's just, you know, I wanted to throw it 
harder, but I was also at the back of my mind. It's just like, man, this is high pressure situation. Don't grip lock it. Don't go over near that Creek. I saw a couple more guys get over there later in the week. So no, uh, my, none of my shots were good. The last one was definitely the best, but I wasn't putting myself in birdie position. We, I was birdie in that hole in the mixed doubles, um, throwing a better drive, getting another 150 feet up the fairway. So no, not satisfied was one of my worst holes of the world championship, but, uh, there's got to be one that ends up being your worst hole, and that one was it for me. Nate, guess what? I didn't get any questions about this week. Uh, I don't know. When's the 2021 firework? Oh, hey. All right. Finally. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> they dropped. They're out. There's none available for you. You can buy them for a few thousand dollars on eBay right now. So that's the question. There's the answer to it, guys. <laughs> um, and how yeah, do you- just so you guys know, I never knew. I didn't even know when they, that's not how it works. I don't know. I'm not lying to you when I say I don't know. I didn't know when they dropped. I went home and was like, oh, they dropped. You shouldn't be the one saying this. I was with Nate when they, when he found out they were dropped and I got to see the look of surprise on his face as they told him that it was the biggest drop in NFL history. So yeah, didn't know. I can, I can vouch for the man. I know that you still don't believe him, but. Just try to find it in your hearts to believe the man this time. <laughs> and for and for all of you guys that are, um, you know, racking up all of the money on the secondary market, feel free to kick some back to Nate. You just reach out to us at runningitpodcast at gmail dot com, and uh, and and that'll be just fine. I can't and one, believe one, one the- other Firebird related thing. See if we can uh, slow down the flow of these messages. I love my fans. I love Sexton and Firebird throwers. I automatically get 25 of these bad boys that come to my house. I have a dad and a brother and aunts and uncles and a mom. If you think you might be inside my 25 closest friends and you want to send me a message asking if you can get one, do it. But otherwise, you're wasting both of our time. I'm not not trying to move these things, and I'm sorry that you don't have a thrower, but I... I got people I got to take care of with the ones that the few that I have and I want to keep a bunch because I like them too. So sorry, not sorry. I don't have any, uh, for you. You know, now everybody's going to be waiting for your mom and dad to have a yard sale. They found yeah. out that they get these. Yeah. They, yeah. they don't they get, get too many. I'm not, I mean, they just get, they, they get one if they want one, but, uh, Nate, you what know, you just said tough. makes sense. And, and I, what you're saying totally resonates with me. But I don't like the way you said it, and I don't really like you anymore. I'm not a I'm not an Nate Sexton fan anymore. Yeah, we'll see. There's probably somebody who's going to feel that way, but uh, but it's worth it to me <laughs> to not have to answer that message 250 more times. I'll I'll take uh, you know I'll I'll lose a fan or two. I'm I'm sorry if that made you mad, but uh, that was the I most just, that was the most Nate Sexton thing ever that you just said. So if anybody doesn't like that, they were never a Nate Sexton fan to begin with. You might be right. They didn't actually know me at all. Right. So, so I wish I had, I wish I could hook everybody up, but it's not, it's just, that just isn't how the world is working right now. I I don't have so many of these things that I can just send them to whoever sends me a message. And I know you guys are still trying, but, uh, but I just, I, it's just going to be a no, just so you you know. know. 
You know who does have so many of them is Innova. You could send your messages there and ask them, and you, you might be able to buy one. But uh, Innova has assured that there's going to be more drops, so yep. there'll be yep. there'll be more Sexton, more Sexton fibers. Have you had a chance to throw a, a 21 yet? I don't know if you had with everything no, that's been going never on. Never touched, never touched or seen one at this point. They're on their way to my house, so I'm excited. I'm uh, I'll be throwing them soon. Um, they look great. I really like the art. The swirls are coming out fantastic. The pictures I'm seeing, there's some really vibrant ones. So that's awesome. Uh, and yeah, Innova is trying, is working so hard to get those things out. They, they did the biggest drop they'd ever done and they're getting orders out the door as fast as possible. And yeah, they, I'm hoping that, that they have enough in the warehouse that maybe one of these later drops will stay around long enough that people don't have to be like, having the fastest internet connection to get some that's the hope well, but uh they had to they had to you know, redo we'll the entire site to do this i mean yeah they did sexton is such a is such a draw for disc golf that um you know they 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 released the thunderbirds for the first time ever before the the firebirds and i was lucky enough to be in california um when that happened so i got to go to the factory and and grab my own and and look at them in person and and you know that's always a cool experience but i I, I looked at them as I was leaving the um, the factory store, and I said, "So what's going on with Sextons?" And they're like, "Dude, we uh, we'd love to release them, but uh, our site just can't do it. Like, we want to release it, and we have a great website. Our website's incredible, but it's not good enough for Nate Sexton because as soon as <laughs> these things get released, it's going to break our site, and we're frightened." So they had to rehaul the entire thing. And, and that was a huge uh, undertaking on their part just to get ready for all these, the millions of Nate Sexton fans out there. And I mean millions. And millions. It's true. Oh, yeah. uh, Nate, Nate, just does, <laughs> Nate just doesn't believe it. He was nervous when he ordered his first stamp. Well, I don't want to have these things sitting around the house. And then they were gone in like three minutes. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that was, that, that was pretty, it was pretty exciting. But those, uh, those 2021s are out. We've got another audio question. I believe this one is directed towards the big kahuna though. What's up guys? This is Josh with Daddy Disc Golf. Jared from Buffalo. Hope you're doing well. Nate Sexton. Congrats on an amazing performance at Pro Worlds. It was a pleasure to watch. Today, my question is for Big Germ. Big Germ, we all know where we were when we saw the legendary shot from James Conrad stick in the basket to push the playoff with Paul Macbeth. I was in Nashville um, going crazy in a hotel room. I'm sure the people all around uh, had no idea what the heck was going on, or maybe they did, but whatever, no regrets. My question for you is, can you think of either a bigger moment in sports history or maybe an equivalent moment in sports history, in your opinion, that matches the excitement to what you saw live in person? Um, as far as live in person, no, of course not for me. Um, I got to tap into a bit of it in 2015 um, when I had the nice little battle with the same guy, Mr. Macbeth. And when um, I, I made a big putt, uh, nearly 70 feet to birdie the hole and put the pressure on Paul. And um, he ended up making the putt too from like 45 feet. And it was, it was just this incredible high uh, that I, I felt. Um, and that motion, that emotion that I felt then um, was unlike anything else I've ever felt. And it's even, it felt different than what I got to see last Saturday with James. But as far as that was for the Memorial. Um, and, and no, no disrespect this, uh, towards the Memorial. I, that was a very, very big, big tournament at the time. And it meant a lot to me, but seeing James do that in that situation, um, no, I, I, that was a completely different feeling that 
I can't quite describe with words. Um, as far as other sports go, I'm trying to think of something that, that, uh, in my lifetime I've seen, um, maybe Ray Allen shot, uh, against the San Antonio Spurs when, um, when he's sure. for the heat in game six, that shot was, was very special. I've always been a big LeBron James fan. And so I was pulling for the heat. And so seeing that shot go down was unbelievable. And I was so pumped up and it was in Miami. So the crowd just went absolutely nuts. Um, but still, it wasn't game seven. It wasn't the very last second. There was less than 10 seconds to play in that game, and they had to win that game to push it to a game seven. But, I mean, that's as close of a relation as I can think of off the top of my head. Um, uh, unfortunately, Villanova hit a ridiculous shot against the Tar Heels in the national championship game in basketball several years ago and beat us. I'm sure Nova fans... Yep. There's, I mean, there's been moments. There's Kirk Gibson's walk off home run for the Dodgers. Uh, I wasn't really like, I wasn't paying attention to that though. So I I can't really relate to that. Right. There's, you know, there's the, the Michael Jordan, you know, flu, flu game. No, no. they didn't win the title that day. They didn't win the title that night. Oh, sure they did. Um, but there's just, yeah. Um, there's just nothing, there's just nothing that compares to, to, to that, because again, the, the things that happened were awesome. But like I had mentioned earlier, it, it's just, those are things that you see happen all the time. So I, I, like I said, as far as professional sports goes, that was the only thing James Conrad could do to, to become the world champion. And he did it. And anybody that's ever thrown a disc knows how incredibly hard that is to do. You're lucky if you get one of those in your lifetime and he did it to win the world championship. And I, I just don't think that there's anything that's going to be close. Uh, the thing also that I want to say, when you say anybody who's thrown a disc knows how hard that is, they don't because no. you need to You're be in the hunt the, for a major yeah. at the last yeah. hole. And yeah. you don't even know how to throw a disc anymore. If you get yeah. in that spot, you're going to throw it straight out of bounds. Almost everyone would. Top professionals would throw it straight out of bounds. I've replayed so, the situation in my own head, and I've thrown out of the bounds every single time. <laughs> yeah, so it's like it's even it's even, Can't even fantasize just it. like hitting no. the shot because the pressure d- makes your body do crazy things. Where you just uh, what was a simple shot becomes so difficult, and to to push through that and execute perfectly. I mean, yeah, we've talked we've talked at length. It's I, I agree, it's unmatched. It. You know, the, the thing that made, made, um, made me believe though was when you watch that, that whole clip unfold with James, look at his breath. That is not a man who is sitting there thinking, calculating the probability, the inevitability, the, you know, any of that. That man is breathing. He's taking his time. There's even a moment where he closes his eyes where he's visualizing the shot. That dude is locked in, dude. Yeah. It gives me chills thinking about this dude being bigger than the moment. And yeah. the one thing that we haven't talked about, and I and I I'm I'm kind of wondering what your take is. And I know we, maybe we have exhausted this, but I, I do want to ask you one question, Nate. Is do you think this moment will be bigger than James Conrad for James Conrad? Do you think there will be a time when people can even talk to James Conrad without bringing this up? No, not, not really. I mean, not, not for a long time. 
you know, or, or maybe unless he, if he goes on to win a bunch of world titles, but even still, I mean, this is, yeah. it's the mo, it's the, it's the moment of his career. And I can't really, even if he goes and wins a bunch of worlds and USDGCs and a bunch yeah. of tournaments, I just, I can't imagine this getting topped as far as like when you think of James. What's the yeah. first thing you're ever going to think of for the rest of our lives? If I think right. about James, it's like that shot. You know, We're like that's that he's won a U.S. title, gotten second place at at the U.S. Championship, won MVP, won Idlewild. You know, like this dude's a proven champion in other events, but uh, it, it doesn't really matter anymore because James Conrad's the the dude that threw the holy shot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's going to win a lot more too, but uh, but yeah, that's certainly the. You know, that's etched in, in my brain. That's James now. Maybe maybe like the David Tyree helmet catch in the Super Bowl against Tom Brady. You know, <laughs> David Tyree didn't crazy. do anything else. <laughs> like David Tyree right. was like a one trick. So then let's give so then let's say Eli Manning. We'll go we'll shoot it over to Eli <laughs> Manning who threw that amazing I mean I just yeah, I can't I can't think of I can't think of anything else. It, it's just uh It's hard it, to. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable, and um, I can't wait to get it. You know, a piece of him had to be thinking, like, dude, I make this shot, and I'm probably going to get asked to be on running it with Nate Sexton. I, I imagine <laughs> at that moment that has to come into play, and uh, and and honestly, I'm I'm happy that he did it. But but you know, we talked about it before, and I always plan on calling him James, and and now I just keep referring to him as Mr. Conrad in my. I feel like come, just call him JC. Like- in right. one shot, in one shot, he went from, not that we didn't want him on the show, but he went from haven't got around to asking him yet to like too big to come on the show. Like, yeah, we'll wait in line. When you're done with the other stuff, let us know. And he, we'll, he did it in one shot. He went all the way from like, yeah, he's kind of on the list. We'll talk to him someday to like, I, I'm a little busy, guys. Sorry. We blew it. Yeah, we might have oh blown my gosh. it. We, we totally blew it. Well, guys, I, I mean, obviously, this is a world that is going to go down in history. And I, I think that you're right, Nate. I think this was something that really is going to blast disc golf into a, another stratosphere. I am a little worried about the folks that saw it on Sports Center and have heard it talked about on Barstool Sports and all of these other crazy places that are going to tune in for the next tournament and be like, okay, man, you're only 300 away. Toss that bad boy in and let's get to the next <laughs> tee box. Because uh, uh, I, I, th- I, I think I they might be out there. Too. I worry about that too. Everyone nah, everyone knows how. You just look at the crowd, and you know how rare it is. Nobody thinks he's doing that every hole. I hope we're inviting back that guy that was like in the red, white, and blue shorts and no shirt that no, was running around no, going crazy. You you need dancing flag guy. Dude, I mean, those dancing flag yeah. guys were awesome too. Yeah, that's all. That's the only person that anyone wants to hear from right now is dancing spotter dude. That guy is he is a gem and he is a national hero. Made a name for himself, he did. He's kind of like that left shark from that Super Bowl show a couple (laughs) years ago, right? Oh, dude. That was was from the 2004 Super Bowl, I believe. I don't even know. Panthers versus Patriots. There you go. Yeah, that's just a few years ago still. For for Super Bowls. Yeah, for real. I could be wrong. What else? Yeah. Who who are you, Big Germ? You're just ripping up 2004, though. I well, I mean, if 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 I'm correct, then I think I remember that because that was the Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake, um, nip slip 
uh, one, but actually it might have been the Katy Perry Super Bowl. So it might not. That's what I think it was. Yeah, I think it was the Katy Perry Super Bowl. So whatever year that one was. But either way, just put yourself in a moment here where you're spotting this shot. And then the crowd makes a noise you've never heard before. And your initial reaction is to do this high step prance, spinning a flag around in a circle. Like that guy was so poised. I can't even wrap my mind around it. You know what, Jeremy? You were so cool to me a few seconds ago when you just busted off that Super Bowl. And then when you told me you, you knew the correlation based on who the halftime show was, it just totally blew it for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to know that for a few moments I was cool in Jared Orr's mind, really, that solidifies my, my place in this world. I'm like, dude, Jeremy knows his Super Bowl stuff. And you're like, I think that was Justin Timberlake or possibly Katy yeah, Perry. I can't remember who played in the game, but I know Maroon 5 was there. I'm like, I'm like, no, man, that was Jake DeLome. The, the Panthers almost took that thing home. Adam Vinatieri had to kick a last-second field goal. <laughs> it was Perry. Jake DeLome. Dude, hey, that's good for you to remember that. <laughs> oh I, I'm, a, I'm a sports fan. So, yeah, it, it, was, okay. it was amazing worlds. I don't think we're going to see anything like it again. Um, how difficult is it going to be for James to, to simmer down and get into the next tournament and, and just go play disc golf? H- how hard is it to shake off this? Is there going to be a, a world championship hangover? Yeah, there always is. I, I talked to, I talked to Cam Todd about this. He won the 2001 world championships that he, he won the worlds in 01, I believe in Minnesota. And then he went to the tournament the very next week. And when his alarm clock went off in the morning, he just looked at his alarm clock like it was the stupidest thing he'd ever seen in his entire life. And he just went back to sleep. He's like, I don't want to go out there and play right now. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever thought of in my entire life. Like, I'm the world champion. I don't want to. Like, who wants to go out there and try to defend that title for a whole year? I guess I do. (laughs) I'd give it a shot. Yeah, (laughs) I'd give it a shot. No, but if I I had to do it. I wouldn't be surprised if I mean it's hard. You don't you don't really want to take time off because you need to keep getting the points for the season ending stuff. So I expect James to just keep grinding. But but yeah, there's a certain part of when I won my USDGC that was kind of like really I got to play next week. Like I'm a changed man now. But you actually aren't. You just played great, you know. And then you realize like oh actually no I'm the same guy. I still miss putts sometimes. But uh but yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he has a little lackluster next tournament because what are you going to compare it to? You're going to say oh he didn't win. Well what's wrong with him? He's James Conrad. He makes everything, you know. But be more surprised he'll be just fine. The next tournament. Oh that'd be he crazy. If he won the next tournament, insane. then we're all done. If he wins the next one, it's over. <laughs> yes, I totally agree. Oh, 2015 by the way, Katy Perry Super Bowl. I had to look it up. It was driving me crazy. 2004, 2015, tomatoes, tomatoes, whatever. Was it? Was even close? No, no, no big deal. Um, Yeah, it was certainly a a world championship that we'll never forget. And so many amazing things happened. And you know, James really stole the show. You know, with with what Cat did earlier in the day, and and, you know, Nate, you coming back and 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 hitting the tour this year, and then coming in third at World and Eagle just having a ridiculous final day and nobody's talking about it. Everybody's going to talk about the, the holy shot forever and they should. It was, it was certainly, it was certainly amazing. Agreed. Well, guys, uh, I think we've, we, we've talked all we could about worlds. Um, we've talked about halftime shows. 
uh, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Anytime, uh, anytime the big kahuna comes and joins us, has, uh, has Calvin been hitting you up for any more of those, uh, those Thunderbirds or are you on to him now? Uh, he hasn't come after me because I gave him one to, uh, to hold him over for one tournament that has water. And then I'm sure he'll come after me the next tournament. But uh, he's been doing pretty well with his Eagles, man. I don't even know if I could help his game at all. I mean, aside from uh, not his best performance the last round, that dude is absolutely unbelievable to watch throw a disc. And his putting is so insane. I'm so proud of that dude. And anytime he wants a Thunderbird from me, he's got one. Oh, he's a future world champion for sure. I, I, I firmly believe that. But he's not throwing those Thunderbirds, man. He's just selling them. Um, oh, Dude, <laughs> oh, you just ruined my night. <laughs> well, they, they do big money on the aftermarket, too. You know, it's not quite a Sexton Firebird, but people want those things. And it's no coincidence that you've had to give 30 of them to Calvin Heimberg. And he has a, you know, he, he, he's getting he's getting new cars and updating all sorts of stuff. And that, I think that's on the Thunderbird. And, but whatever. Uh, listen, I don't I don't make the rumors, Jerem. I just spread them. So we'll dress this off air, Jared. We'll dress <laughs> this off air. <laughs> well, uh, Nate, uh, congratulations again. Um, t- third place at the Worlds. It was amazing. It was so much fun to to get to watch you and uh, and see you out there. And uh, Jerem, you were there too, man. So. Um, that was uh that was really cool and uh and you guys the the post production was was amazing um Jomez was uh the the downloads are ridiculous so and they're and they're still going so um thanks for hanging out and answering some fan questions and uh and recapping this worlds and we'll be back with our normal format and uh have some really fun and exciting and possibly even world champion guests on running it with Nate Sexton Thanks, Germ. Yeah, thanks for having me again, Nate and Jarrett. And it's always a pleasure to be on the show. And um, yeah, we'll catch you guys next time. All right, man. See ya. Well, Nate, anytime that you invite Big Germ, we always have some laughs. It's always a good time. And we get to talk some disc golf. I couldn't be any happier about it. And I know, like you said, you guys really haven't had a chance to talk about Worlds because you've been so busy. So it was uh, it was cool to have the big guy on and, and recap everything. Yeah, man, we had a great week. Uh, we we're staying at, you know, some condos that Jomez had gotten. My brother was there, my buddy Dion, my buddy Chandler. Uh, we were, you know, playing board games every night and then we would do commentary at 1130 until like 130 in the morning. Uh, me, German, Yuli. And then that last commentary was at 5 a.m. And then I had to leave for the airport at like seven, you know, like right after commentary ended, we were straight to the airport. So yeah, we didn't really get a chance to hash it all out. So that was great kind of hearing, uh, I mean, I, I kind of knew already what we both think about it, but yeah, he, he's got away with words and, and it was great to hear, uh, his take and, and hear his call and work with him. Cause he is such an excitable guy. Like he's the guy you want standing next to you when something amazing happens, because it, it feels even more amazing when you got him there because he's just gonna, you know, he wears his heart on his sleeve and he's going to show you how amazing something is when you're, when you're there with him. So really appreciate getting to work with him and appreciate him taking the time to come on the show and talk to us. 
Yeah, it's it's always so much fun. And uh, I just, you know, hearing you guys be able to talk about disc golf, I know it's something that the fans were really looking forward to. The worlds were amazing. Um, the fans have been amazing in support for you, the posts on social media. It's got to be a little overwhelming. I, I, I mean, maybe not. You might be used to it by now, but... To just see these thousands and thousands of fans congratulating you and tagging and posting, it's got to be crazy, right? It is a bit crazy. I, I I pride myself on trying to answer my messages on social media. Sometimes it like filters them into spam and they're hard to find. But I try to do you know spend a little time each day trying to connect back with people who try to reach out to me as long as they're doing it in a in a normal respectful way. And. uh you know, I've, I have gotten hundreds of messages and I do appreciate them. So, uh, if I haven't got back to you yet, I'll try to do that. And, uh, I do appreciate everyone rooting for me and yelling my name while we're out there playing and saying, do it for the dads and all that stuff. It was, uh, it was a really fun week. It felt great to be in the hunt at a major. It felt like it had been a little while. Um, I, after I won Las Vegas in 2020, I felt like on top of the world and like so motivated uh, and ready to kind of like, you know, go for it. And then COVID happened and then I kind of just like everything ground to a halt and I was not playing that well after I came back. And then now I'm back up there on top again. So feeling great and uh, and ready to work hard and looking forward to the, the coming seasons in a way that I wasn't, uh, you know, three or four months ago. So I'm really excited. Well, you certainly have earned some new fans. Shout out to Joseph McDougal. Him and I had a little back and forth during the rounds. He was doubting you a little bit, Nate. I think he got a little too comfortable with you being in the booth in Jomez, and maybe he wasn't around long enough to see what uh, what Nate Sexton does out there. So uh, he's a huge fan of the podcast. He's a big fan of yours, but he didn't see you finishing in that top 10, and, uh, and it cost him $20 to the Knoll Family Foundation, uh, which is a, a charity that I do some work for so um it looks like you even earned some new nate sexton fans as well well i hope so man if, if they didn't know i could still throw them i still can and I, i'm looking forward to throwing a lot more of them so i'm glad if anybody thought i, I was just a commentator you were i don't know you're you're new you were new you're new around here and and let's, now you know and uh and i'm um, and welcome let's let's keep it going it's it's uh it's been a great ride and i'm looking forward to more that's right. And I guess because of your third place finish, I mean, technically you and Colin kicked Pete and Paul's ass, right? Oh, yeah. By, yeah. by, by so many strokes. Yeah, it was, yeah. I, I don't even want to add it up just out of respect for those guys. The Sexton brothers prevail, just as we've said. So, uh, well, this is, uh, I'm happy to have you back, Nate. I've, I've missed the podcast for a few weeks and, uh, it was great watching you, but, uh, I'm happy to get back to this and talking some disc golf and telling some stories. We've got some awesome upcoming guests for you guys. Make sure you check out our sponsors at fisherdiscgolf.com and double G craft jerky. Um, and, uh, go ahead and check out if you haven't seen the Jomez, uh, um, uh, Nate and German Yuli calling that final round, go watch it again. It's that good. And, uh, it's just something that was amazing. And uh, I'm just 
so happy that I was able to see it. I wasn't there live, but I was watching it live and it was just a moment that I don't think any of us will forget. So uh, we thank you guys for bearing with us, giving Nate a few weeks off to uh, to concentrate on Worlds and and go out there and do what he does. Hey, was was Coraline, did she get to watch any any disc golf network? Was she was she seeing yeah, any? Yeah, I'm sure she saw a little bit. I, I think uh, she's kind of a in and out, check it out a little bit, go do something else mode. But yeah, I think I think they had it on for sure. Well, good. Well, again, congratulations, Nate. And uh, we're happy to be back for all of our listeners. Again, you can follow us uh, on Instagram at running it with Nate Sexton. He is at Frisbee Nate. I am at Jared or two, two, two. We are out of time for this episode. Nate, I don't even third place at the world's. I mean, laying up only when there's no other choice. Let's run it. We're running it. We'll see you guys next week.